Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach. I'm going to be your host for this podcast. And I am coming to you live from somewhere within the borders of China. This is part two of a, a two-part podcast. I did not expect this to be a two-part podcast. But as I got talking about um, the last two days of meetings that we've been having here in China, which I will probably be referring to for many years, because what just took place here in China was huge. Because we had all the top leaders from all the different networks come together. We, that's happened before. But what they shared during this time was groundbreaking, earth-shattering. You will not find this anywhere else. At the time that I'm making this announcement, you will not find this information anywhere else. We got it directly from the leader's mouth and the four top networks out of the five that is considered to be the originals out of the Senum Fellowship. The Senum Fellowship was this this um, fellowship of um, all the top underground house churches out of Hunan and Anhui. And so the there were five. One of them no longer really exists in the way that it originally did, and that was uh, built around uh, Pastor Peter Shu, who now lives in the United States and has now for, I think, over a decade, if I'm not mistaken. So he's been there for quite a while. So his, his group has kind of uh, divided up. And by the way, um, his group was always different than the other uh, networks. Uh, just to give you a, a really quick overview of the Sinem Fellowship, you had the China Gospel Fellowship, or Tonghe. Um, you had China for Christ, uh, Feng Chong. Um, you had um, uh, Jinli, which is Truth, and Mengfu, which is Blessing. And then you had, as the fifth member of that Sinem Fellowship, as a body, um, there were there were several people that were, were representing the, these different bodies, and then you had the evangelist uh, brother Yun, who didn't really represent a network. He was more of an evangelist type, an apostle type that went around preaching in many different areas, and wasn't really um, a, a called to be a pastor in the same way. So you had those four different networks, and then you had the fifth, which was Peter Shu. The, the the thing about these four networks is that. Um, the ones that were not the same as Peter Shu or not Peter Shu's network, the the um, the four networks, they were started with just the names of their county. They were never they they were never thought of as something that was going to grow bigger than their county. So, for instance, uh, China Gospel Fellowship, Tonghe. Tonghe is the name of the county, the area that they're from. Fang Chung, Pastor Zhang Rongliang. That's the name of the county. Um, you have um, uh, Yinshang. That, that is the name of, the, of a county in Anhui. So you have these, these four churches in Anhui and Hunan province that were named after the county. And at the very beginning, you know, the revivals broke out uh, because a individual would take refuge in the name of Christ, see deliverance and healing, and others that needed deliverance and healing also saw that. 
So they began to follow after this name that had so much power, the name of Jesus Christ. And uh, as it began to grow, there there was a leader that basically knew more than everybody else, but that the they never meant to be leaders. It was never on purpose. Now it was it, was, it can be argued that God planned it and, and He had purpose for it, but the people. They, they definitely, nobody wanted to be the center of attention. They did not have names in neon lights. So you didn't have a pastor that wanted to advertise on and have his own Facebook page and, and, and name it, you know, the Pastor Jong Ministries or something like that because that drew attention and attention drew the police and the police put you in jail and usually, um, that was the end of you. So what happened was, amazing miracles began to take place around certain house church groups in these counties. Well, these counties began to be scattered out, or members from these counties began to leave out of the counties and go and preach the gospel in other areas of China. And so when they became identified in other parts of China, they became identified as the individuals from those counties. And so the the church was named after the county. So let's say that you're from Orange County, California, and a major revival breaks out. People would say, oh, they're, from, they're with the Orange County Church, or Orange Church, or Orange County Church. And so if you have people that are experiencing that revival, experiencing that power, experience in healing and deliverance, uh, and then they start to go to places like uh, Ohio and New York and Vermont, even though they plant churches in Ohio, um, uh, New York, and Vermont, those churches that they plant would still be referred to as Orange County churches. And so that's what happened all around China. That's where these these four major networks come from. And then the fifth was more purposeful, where Peter Shu did have more of a vision, and he did call his network a, a, a name that was not based on the county that he was from. So these four networks that are still in operation today, you can refer to them as the counties that they, they come from, and they are the main representatives of uh, the underground house church in China today. These are the uh, just within that one room yesterday uh, here in Hainan on Hainan Island. Um, the networks that all came together from those four networks and the leadership that was there. I, I mean, you're basically representing over uh, 30 to 40 million believers. <laughs> there was more. They represented more people in that room yesterday than if we had the president of Finland, Sweden. Norway, Denmark, and maybe throw in Holland. These guys are representing a massive body of Jesus Christ. And that is why in June of this year, those leaders were invited to, the, to Beijing to meet with the president of China, as well as the top leadership of the Communist Party. Because... Their, their members in the churches are growing like wildfire. And the people that they represent is a large sector of society. And the people that they represent are actually growing every single day. And according to most, uh, most experts, in the very near future, if it hasn't happened already, 
the number of believers in China will far outnumber the members of the Communist Party. That is a huge statement. That's not the big news. That's not the huge news. That's not what I want to share about. But that is what the Chinese government is looking at. They are looking at a Christian body that they try to wipe off the face of the earth and in only a couple decades is now outnumbering their membership. The number of new Christians is far outnumbering the number of new party members. So there is a desire to bring that under control. So in June of this year, they basically, they've been using the stick method for many years. Now they're using the carrot method. And so they brought in these leaders, in, uh, and I, we wrote about it in, in June of this year. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that Back to Jerusalem was the only organization to write about this historic meeting between the top leaders and the government in Beijing and the, the president of China. Uh, I got a few emails that said, I know the pastors that are there. Take that information down. And I had to apologize and say, I'm sorry, but I know the leaders there too, and they've asked me to put that information up. So I will not take it down. So I think that if I, I didn't see it anywhere else, that I, I don't always get to go all over the news. I don't, I didn't try to search for it. I didn't hear about it from anyone else. So I think Back to Jerusalem was probably the only uh, news outlet or organization to report about this historic meeting. Something must have changed. Now, nothing was decided as far as I know. From what I've talked about with the leaders, basically the government just wanted to hear their complaints and, and uh, challenges and the, the, the things that they have to face and, and how could they bridge that relationship? How could they make it better? No decisions were made. No conclusions were arrived at. But they did decide we will meet again at a later date. If we, if we um, learn anything more about that, we will let you know. But yesterday, when the top leaders began to speak, they began to slowly introduce us to a huge change that's about to take place in the Church of China. And this podcast is probably going to be the first time you've heard about it. So we have Pastor Shen uh, from the China Gospel Fellowship that speaks after Pastor Zhang Rongliang, and he gives some uh, information that uh, in a speech that he consider that he calls the dreams of China, or that I would call the dreams of China, where he lays out uh, six or seven dreams. The first dream that he says that he has that I talked about in the first podcast was um, that they have a dream to send people to the different nations and countries around the world and to plant churches in every city, large and small, so that the church can impact every part of the community. 
their second dream or the second part of the dreams that they have for the underground house church is to have uh, more Bible schools and training centers in China for Christians. Um, their third dream is to be a city on a hill that shines for the entire world to see. Not a, not a church that is secret and hidden, but a, a church that has its doors wide open. A church that is visible for everyone to see. Their fourth dream is to help rebuild the broken, the brokenness in society, like the broken marriages, to be uh, that point of contact for those that are looking for something to turn to. The fifth dream, the fifth part of the dream, and this is the big one. So he's been moving up to the fifth part of the dream, and he does, he makes it completely clear where he's going. He leaves no room for misinterpretation. He leaves no room for mistakes. The fifth dream is to see our churches become legal in China. A firm and stable church, this is him talking. He says, <clears throat> word for word, the fifth dream is to see our churches become legal in China. A firm and stable church creates a peaceful and blessed society. We want to use this opportunity to the, for the wrong understandings that people in China have of the churches. There are years of misunderstandings of churches in China. The fifth dream that probably one of the most well-known churches, underground house church fellowships in all of China, the top leader, Matthew, Pastor Matthew, Pastor Shen, says that our fifth, the fifth part of the dream that we have for our church in China is to become legal. For those of you that have been following China closely for the last 10, 20, 30 years, those of you that know the, the, the challenges, the hurt, the pain, the restrictions of what it would mean to register and become legal, these are huge statements. What was even bigger was that the other pastors didn't blink an eye. In fact, they went on to continue the same dialogue. We then heard from the pastor from Mengfu and the pastor from Jenli. When they got up, they reiterated, saying that um, the pastor can run, but the church cannot. And it is time that they become a beacon for society. Does that mean that that is the end of the underground house church in China? Does that mean that we are going to see a legal body rise up in China that will be legal under the Communist Party here in China? Now, we know there's already legal churches. 
we work with many churches in uh, China that are registered. One of the my dear friends who was not able to make it to these two days of meetings because it didn't work with his schedule, he tried, and I really wished he could have been here. We call him Pastor Philip uh, from Wenzhou. He has a he has a legal church of about five thousand. And for those of you that have been uh, following um, back to Jerusalem online, you would you'll see that um, there has been a crackdown in Wenzhou where crosses have been torn down. Um, in the last 12 months, there has been a crackdown and a persecution of Christians in Wenzhou that hasn't been seen for the last decade. And those churches are legal. And the majority of them are not three self. They're not underground and they are not three self. They're not a part of the three self. Now, when we say um, three self, what we are referring to is the communist body that was uh, created for Christians to register. So they were to be self-supported, self-governed, and self-propagating. They were not to have any influence or connection with foreign entities that might influence um, their leadership or their uh, administration. Um, They were also um, uh, led and guided by the Religious Affairs Bureau. and that was always controversial because that, that organization, obviously, you have to be a member of the Communist Party, and to be a member of the Communist Party, you have to be atheist. So in their minds, uh, and, and, and practically speaking, um, the leader of the three-self church in China has always been thought of as being an atheist, which is something that many of the underground house church members, that's the reason why they never, by the way, underground house church does not necessarily mean they're secret. doesn't mean that they're hiding. It, a secret society doesn't grow to be about 150 million members. And that's, that's a, a rough generic estimate of the underground house church uh, today. It can fluctuate anywhere between 130, at least 130 to 160, 170, depending on who you talk to on any given day. Because there's no real census that's been taking place throughout all of China, it's really difficult to tell. So a lot of those numbers have to come from um, individual bodies and the rate of growth that they see. Um, but there's no real number. However, you don't hide yourself and become a you know a secret underground cave dwelling church and grow to be 150 million members, right? Uh, so it doesn't necessarily mean that they're hiding. It just means that they refuse to register. They refuse to become legal, and that has and that's been done for many reasons. For those of you that are not familiar with why. Uh, many of the underground house church members do not want to become legal. Uh, a pastor, for instance, of a network of 10 million believers like Pastor Zhang would be or Pastor Shen would be, um, they don't have a, a building where the bodies congregate, the people congregate and come together. They actually, uh, what they do is they have a series of house churches, a network of house churches. And in the beginning, they would have a house church, but that house church got to be too big. And when it got too big, what would happen is that they would have to split off for security reasons. And so uh, if you had more than 10 members coming to one house, it would raise suspicion. So they would appoint a leader and send um, them into another home to meet in another home. But then they would also want the leader of that house to also come and visit them from time to time. 
So the the leader would then split his duties between those two homes. Well, those two homes would then grow to be too big, and so they would split into four homes. Now the pastor would have to do this round robin between four homes, and when he's not there, the other leaders would then take place. And then those four homes, of course, you know, on and on and on, until you got to the point where the pastor was traveling every single day of the year and never going to the same place twice. And that is how these networks became so big, and, and that's how they first developed. Well, if they would register, if they would become legal, one of the, one of the challenges that they would have is that they would have to register in a location. So let's say, for instance, for those of you that are familiar with China or have heard of Beijing, let's just use Beijing as, a, as an example. What would happen is, is those pastors would have to register. Where would they register? Well, the pastor, let's say that a pastor of an underground house church that is growing and thriving all throughout China, he would have to register in Beijing. But he has church members that have now spread into Shanghai, Guangzhou, Zhengzhou, uh, Hangzhou, and to all these different areas. And so he would need to go and serve the members of his church in those different cities. But if he registers, he is restricted to Beijing. He cannot leave Beijing. He is licensed for Beijing, and practicing anywhere else would be illegal. So uh, that restriction was a challenge. Also, um, when uh, people want to have new baptisms, they have to submit the names of the people that are being baptized and get permission for those baptisms. So let's say that one month you have 200 people that want to be baptized. You submit that to um, the government leadership. The government had the power to look at it and say, you know what, 200, too many. How about 100? Well, that becomes a problem for the other 100 that also want to be baptized. It also becomes a challenge with uh, leadership. So let's say that you have a... Um, uh, a person that you have been discipling to take over um, worship, uh, to become a minister, to become a teacher, and uh, so you want to send them to Bible school. Well, the Bible schools have to be official, they have to be appointed, they have to be approved. And then the person that you choose has to be approved. So if you submit someone and they look at it and they say, no, we don't like that name, we don't like that person, we don't think that they are qualified to go through the school, well, then you have to find someone someone else. So there is a leadership issue where um, the uh, government makes choices for the church that the church has traditionally said that we are not willing to give that up. Now, there's also theological differences in the beginning, but those lines are becoming very blurred because there are uh, spirit-filled pastors that are in charge of three self-churches today, and three some of these three self-churches are seeing revival, and they're seeing the good news of Jesus Christ preached with purity, without pollution. I mean, I'm I'm talk when I say pollution, I'm talking about um, a, a communist ideology, and I can talk about that all day long. But when I'm talking about the underground house church, it doesn't mean they've been hiding all these years and now they're coming out. Because a lot of people might hear that, right, and say, oh, Christians aren't supposed to hide. The Bible says, deny me before man, I will deny you before my father. That is not what they're talking about. They don't lie. They don't hide. Uh, they just don't register. 
and they try to avoid detection. They do smart things to keep them out of the way of the policemen here in, in China. But now, what I've just announced, what they just announced, what I'm reporting on, is that the four leaders of the four most well-known underground house church networks in all of China are saying possibly they are looking to register. They made that declaration yesterday. Our dream, our dream for the future is that the underground church in China will become legal. That is huge. How will that change China? What will China look like if that happens? What will the church look like if that happens? Will that stunt growth? Will that increase growth? Will that compromise their influence? Will that increase their influence? How will that impact the missionary vision of back to Jerusalem? How will that impact the vision to send out 100,000 missionaries into other countries? If they are registered and they make their activities known, how will the government feel about individuals applying for visas and passports to leave China and to go into different countries. Going into areas where China has a political or military or economic interest. Areas like Syria, Iraq, Pakistan, India, North Korea. Places where Christians can cause trouble if the Chinese government knows what those Christians are going to do. How will the situation change? They haven't registered yet. The Chinese have not registered yet, so this is a new thing. And that's why I am bringing it to you. Will it happen? We don't know. But they have declared for the first time, I've known these guys for years. I've served these guys for years. I've worked with these guys for years. This is not the entire underground house church. In fact, the very first day, we had a completely different network, and I can tell you those networks would have probably gotten up and walked out at the idea of registering with the government in China. But these are the four traditional underground house church networks. And for anybody that has been working in China, anybody that has been exposed to China, this is one of the big, the biggest things that I've actually heard come out of the mouths of the leaders in years. So take this, take it to your churches, into your Bible groups, and pray about it. The church in China needs your prayers. They need your support. And thank you so much for joining us again for another episode and podcast of Back to Jerusalem. I'm Eugene Bach, and I'm so happy to be with you, coming to you live 
on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. <laughs>